On September 11th, 2001, our American way of life was attacked. Everyone remembers where they were that day and how their lives changed from that moment on. The American Legion is committed to honoring the memories of those we lost on 9-11 and in the global war on terrorism that followed. As part of that commitment, the American Legion Tango Alpha Lima podcast presents a special series, 9-11-2020. 20 episodes in the 20 days leading up to the 20th anniversary of the attacks that changed the world. Each of the 20 guests delivers a unique first-hand perspective on 9-11 and our nation's response. Here is one of those remarkable stories. All right, today we are continuing our 20 episodes in 20 days special on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and we're going to be joined today by Joe Lee, a 1967 graduate of the University of North Carolina. He was uh, in the United States Air Force and retired from the Air Force as Lieutenant Colonel with four distinguished flying crosses, 21 air medals, three tours in Vietnam flying the F-4 Phantom, and then he became the captain for United Airlines. Uh, Joe Lee, an Air Force pilot for 30 years, was pilot for United Airlines on 9-11. He brought his plane from Sacramento to LAX in safety, one of the last, if not the last, plane to arrive that day. In fact, upon landing, there were no gates to pull up to. The ATCs had evacuated the control tower, and he was left to tell his passengers what was happening. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking time out of your day. Well, you're very welcome. And let me say it is an honor and a privilege to be considered as part of this. Now, the intro you just made, you took probably half of the notes I had telling about myself and my career. So I have nothing left to say. Thank you. Perfect. That was a quick, quick episode. All right, everybody log in. Then. Uh, so tell us actually, uh, tell us about the 9-11, the day itself, and, and, and what you went through on that day. Okay, well, let me let me back up just a minute. Yeah, I flew for United for a long time after my career in the Air Force. Uh, I began as a co-pilot, of course, and flew the 757, 767 internationally, uh, all as co-pilots, the 737, and then I upgraded to captain on the 737 for many years. And then right before 9-11, I was fortunate enough to upgrade on the uh, Airbus A320 and was actually on my first flight as an A320 captain, uh, flew from several different places, but ended up in Sacramento, California. The next morning, the morning of 9-11, I and my co-pilot took off. Destination was Los Angeles International, LAX. Uh, the flight was uh, nominal. We got to top of uh, climb, pushback. I was enjoying a cup of lukewarm, delicious airline coffee. That's a joke. Uh, when we got a message now, all major airlines have the ability to talk to their dispatch via a telecommunicator. It's a little printer that sits in between the two uh, pilot seats. Well, I had just pushed back and joined the cup of coffee when we got a chime identifying that a message from my dispatch was uh, coming in. And at the same time, a piece of paper scrolled up with a message on it. And since my co-pilot, it was his leg, he was flying. So I pulled up the message and looked at it. And that was when you can say it hit the fan because the message said, and this is from my dispatch to, and actually to all United aircraft, it said, guard your cockpits, aircraft are down. 
Now, you can imagine what that did to us. We kind of looked at each other and kind of had a what the hell moment. Well, I was in the process of typing the message back to my dispatch saying message received. And I was going to say, what the hell do you want me to do? Because there's not a lot of instructions, uh, but they certainly got our attention. Well, before I could hit the send button, I got another message. Well, all of United Aircraft got the same message said, all UAL, United Airline Aircraft, land. Now that's significant in the fact that the normal term terminology is land as soon as practical, ASAP. That has some very specific FAA meanings, means you have to have a certain type of runway, a certain length that's safe to land on. You have to have firefighting capability. You have to have the ability to take care of your passengers. Even though it may not be a United Station, you've got to be able to deplane and take care of them. Well, land period meant that we had some United aircraft take that to heart, which they should have, and they land probably not on Grasslip, but they landed on some runways where subsequently they had to deplane, take all the seats out, take all the baggage off, defuel with only enough fuel to get airborne into a safe place. Uh, so it, it was a mess, you can imagine, and we weren't the only ones. American, Delta, Continental, all the major airlines had some cases where airplanes landed off station. Well, I was fairly lucky being that I was inbound to Los Angeles. That was my destination. And about time we figured out what was going on, I was at what they called top of descent, which is where you start a normal control descent into the field. Now, let me back up just for a minute. When we got this message, I immediately brought the, uh, uh, the lead flight attendant up. I wanted to bring her into the system. I gave her the messages. I told her, please go back and tell the other flight attendants, but for goodness sakes, do not tell the passengers. The last thing we needed was onboard panic and they couldn't do anything anyway. And we figured we were pretty safe. Now, during the boarding of my passengers, I noticed that there was a United Airlines captain in uniform that got on the plane. He obviously was going to LAX to start his day. Well, he was in the back. I told the A flight attendant, go get that captain and bring him up uh, to my cockpit. He arrived and he was kind of rubbing his eyes. Obviously he had been snoozing and he walked in the cockpit and said, hey captain, what's going on? Well, I said, sit down and read this. I gave him the two messages. His eyes got big. Uh, now, the interesting thing about the Airbus is the jump seat in it, and there's every airplane has a jump seat where an instructor pilot or the FAA giving a check ride can see. The lucky thing about the Airbus is the jump seat slid in front of the door, i.e. guard your cockpit. So I told him to sit down, get the crash axe out, uh, and if anybody tried to force their way into the cockpit, kill them, <laughs> pure and simple. Uh, luckily, we have the capability, the jump seat rider has a capability with an extra set of headphones to plug into and listen to all of the communication. Also, he has a capability of plugging in to the AM radio transmissions that uh, the, the AM stations 
that is a antiquated way of navigating that nobody uses anymore. Well, he plugged in and tuned in the AM stations. And every now and then, I would, and he was listening to the news report. I, they were talking to ATC, so I wasn't able to. Every now and then, he would go, holy Christmas. And he was the one that was able to tell us that the first trade tower was down. So by this time, we realized it was a pretty, pretty serious uh, situation. Uh, backing up now, I was at top descent. So I started my descent, changed over from in route control to uh, what we call SoCal uh, radar, Southern California. And you can imagine that going into a place like JFK or Kennedy or Atlanta or LAX, that there is a cacophony of sound with all of the outbound and inbound traffic talking, getting instructions, getting departure instructions. Well, I tuned in, pulled up the frequency on SoCal and it was dead quiet. And on my initial transmission to them, I had done a thing you always do, you know, good morning, SoCal, this is United, whatever I was. And I said, it's quiet. And he said, yes, sir, but all hell is getting ready <laughs> to break loose. Well, it was quiet. It turned out that as far as I know, I was the last aircraft, commercial aircraft to land at LAX. They turned us over during the approach way, way out prior to final to tower, which controls the landing phase of your flight and way out tower gave me permission to land, which is pretty unheard of because normally they don't give you permission to land until the aircraft in front of you has cleared the runway and the runway is yours. Well, there were no aircraft in front of me. So miles prior to landing, they said, hey, you're cleared to land. Well, we commenced the landing, pulled off the runway, transferred over to ground control, which controls all the, the ground traffic moving. And ground said, hey, United, pull off the runway, pull on to the parallel taxiway, and you might as well shut down because nobody left this morning, which means you don't have a gate. You might as well shut down, and we're going to try to figure out what to do. And he said, and by the way, we can't see you because we have evacuated the tower. They were actually with a handheld radio in the parking lot because they were worried that the tower at LAX was going to be a target. Well, yeah, and again, you can imagine, I have a lot of business passengers that were trying to make uh, their subsequent flights and they were looking out the window and nothing was moving. So, I had to make what was probably the toughest announcement uh, of my flying career. And I said, folks, you may notice there's nobody moving out there. I know you're all worried about making your connection. Don't worry about it. The entire air system has been shut down, which we've got word of uh, before that. And I said, listen, I, I hate to have to tell you this, but we have been a victim, we, the United States, has been a victim of a very effective and devastating terrorist attack where aircraft had been used to, and I think by this time, I was able to tell them that the first trade tower was down. So if you've flown, you know that you're not supposed to use a cell phone. Well, we're on the ground, nothing's going on. So I authorized each one. I said, please make a call, but only to one responsible person, either a business partner, your family, 
don't make a lot of calls. Make one, have them notified downstream to the rest of your family. And please, if you are sitting next to somebody that does not have a cell phone, please allow them to use and make one call uh, to do the same thing, to notify somebody responsible. Well, they, passengers are very, generally in aviation, they're not very friendly. Everybody by this time knew that it was a very significant event. They were quiet as mice. They were polite. They all let uh, anybody that did not have a cell phone uh, use their cell phone. It was it could have been a panic, but it wasn't. It, it, everybody was acting very responsible. Well, there we are sitting on the taxiway trying to figure out what in the world to do. Don't have a place to go. And after about, I guess, 15 minutes, I look out in front of me and here comes a maintenance guy with his two wands walking down the middle of the taxiway. That is unheard of. There is no foot traffic normally on a taxiway. That's only for airplanes. Well, this guy is walking down the middle of the taxiway, waved to me, turned around and gave me, hey, follow me. And it was the damnedest parade you've ever seen. Here I am in a couple hundred thousand pound airplane with 150, 60 passengers following this little maintenance guy walking down and taxiing down the taxiway. He took me probably a quarter mile down to a maintenance area where we were able to shut down. And in United's credit, they had a portable jetway, uh, stairs and buses there for my passengers to get off. Well, like I tried to do, I, we shut down the airplane and I got out and stood at the cockpit door to thank everybody and a pretty emotional period of time. All the men were strong, a lot of handshakes, a lot of backslash, a lot of the women were crying, but everybody was subdued. Nobody was panicking. Nobody was being a typical passenger. It was a pretty neat thing. The only about the last significant thing that happened, my family who lived on the East Coast by this time had seen the news and I got a phone call on my cell phone and it was my son not knowing whether, and they had heard that they were two United aircraft that had crashed and my son called not knowing whether he'd get a busy signal or whatever and I answered and he went, Dad, are you all right? And that was, I was able to say, yeah, you're talking to me. Obviously, I'm all right. Uh, that was an interesting day. Uh, I've been asked many times, was I afraid? Uh, and I had to say, no, I was concerned. But knowing that I had three combat tours in Vietnam getting shot at quite often, we weren't afraid. We were just hyper alert and very concerned for what happened to the country. We were in no way, shape, form in any danger, although we didn't know it at the time. But uh, it was, as you can imagine, a pretty emotional <laughs> time. And then the only good news if there is, our destination for the end, that was my last flight, and we were supposed to lay over at Redondo Beach. Well, I had a one-week layover at Redondo Beach, which made it fairly nice. Uh, another interesting part, about day five, the system opened back up. And all of the far-flown pilots that had laid over there and all of the people that were stationed there, pilots, maintenance, flight attendants, 
were called by our ops, said, please come to the airport, go to ops. The first airplane, United Airplane, is leaving at some sometime in the morning. Anyway, we must have had two to three hundred pilots, flight attendants, bag handlers, maintenance guy lining the taxiway. <laughs> when the aircraft went by, those of us in the military saluted. The other people were giving the victory sign. People were giving the yay sign. And every window on our side had at least two faces in it from the passengers who were waving back at us. Uh, yeah. Kind of a neat time. And that's pretty much my story. It's, it's sort of interesting. It was to me. Uh, do y'all have any questions now or comments? Yeah, we'll, we'll go to Ashley. And we had, just for context, uh, we had talked earlier to to an air traffic controller that uh, talked about kind of the same sort of thing. So it's it's interesting from our point of view, getting all the various stories from the Pentagon to all the way up to the air traffic controllers, to people who had relatives there, to the people in New York City. It's just for us, it's the interesting part is piecing all the little pieces together. So, but Ashley, you are up first. All right. Oh, we're good. <laughs> Hello. So, Jolie, I, I just have a question regarding like when that initial information came through and, you know, you, you heard it through your headset about everything that was going on or mm -hmm. even just the simplest things, right? Like you have to relay that to passengers, you know, I'm curious as to like when you guys got on the ground and you heard about everything else that had happened, what was, you know, the responses? I mean, can you kind of like put us in that setting? I mean, were you in like, you know, the, the terminal and like everyone's like glued to the TV? Like what, how did that kind of transpire? Like once you had landed and you had, you know, parked the plane, if you will. Well, it, uh, it was terrible. By the time we got into operations, the place was full of pilots that were supposed to be leaving that didn't, those of us that had gotten on the ground. Uh, we were all gathered around the TV set like all of America was and angry as we could be that uh, we allowed this to happen, that somebody did it to us. Uh, everybody was pretty subdued. Uh, we finally ended up going our different ways. Uh, to uh, our layover hotels. And again, uh, it was kind of interesting, but the pilots form a fairly close-knit community with pretty similar backgrounds. Most of us were military. And of course, we all got changed into civilian clothes. And as we normally do, we congregated in the bar and sat there and again watching. Of course, it was a continuous loop of the buildings falling down and the Pentagon uh, burning. And we just sat there and drank our beers or bourbons and watched all this transpire over and over and over again. I can tell you, it didn't get any easier watching it the 10th or 100th time. It still elicited pretty much the same emotion. Uh, Sort of interesting to me, we ended up at a civilian restaurant and of course the televisions were going, people were watching, but I hate to say it, the businessmen, I don't know if they didn't have a concept or they were in shock, but they were, I did not see the level of anger amongst them that I did amongst the, the pilots, maybe because we were 
closer involved in it, but they were sitting there having their martinis and talking business. It was like, okay, you know, the Yankees won the World Series. Uh, what's the latest stock tip? Does that help? Yeah. No, that's 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 fascinating. You know, it's it's interesting <laughs> because I think maybe there's this assumption that like, oh, that can't happen to us. Like, uh, that's no one's <coughs> no one's doing that to us, right? Like, you know, a lot of folks, and just based on some of the conversations we've had, um, it just kind of reminds me of you know. Pearl Harbor in a way like to make a like a different kind of comparison right like that changed everything and that was that like those those few hours and the days falling like that changed so much you know just in America and no I, I think that's so interesting that you've pointed out that like there were still folks that just were like you know business as usual but there are others that were, you know. Yeah, business not as usual. Uh, and uh, after, and it was probably six days before I finally got a flight back. My, I was based out of uh, Washington, D.C. And being a good guy, thinking it would never happen, I called my schedulers and said, hey, look, I'm ready, I'm able, I'm rested. I will volunteer for any flight thinking for sure that the system was so screwed up, they would never, ever need me. Well, guess what? They said, my goodness, well, you've got a flight tomorrow out of Baltimore and going back to LAS. <laughs> and what they said, and oh, by the way, the schedule is so screwed up, we have no idea what to do with you when you get to LA. <laughs> well, it turned out I ended up deadheading uh, back through Denver, back to uh, back to Dulles, which was where our base was. Uh, so me and my big mouth volunteered, never thinking they'd use me. And they went, oh, wow, Captain Lee, <laughs> got to fight tomorrow early. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of, those, one of those things. Just put the wings back on. You're like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, another interesting thing, and I don't think I'm letting out any top secrets, uh, since 9-11, the airlines have changed completely. It used to be the philosophy, if you were being hijacked, the acquiescence, yes, sir, no, sir, where do you want to go? We'll do. You did anything the hijackers wanted because never in a million years did we think that they would use the aircraft as a weapon. They wanted to get to Cuba or somewhere and then get off the airplane and everything was good. Well, when we realized that had happened, in a very short period of time, the doors were reinforced to the extent you cannot get through the doors. A linebacker for the NFL could not break through the doors. They're all lined uh, with bulletproof material. Uh, pilots now don't come out of the cockpits to smooth with the passengers, which I used to love to do. Well, we're locked in there. We don't come out. We have very little interface with the passengers now. And I think it's common knowledge that uh, a certain number of pilots now are armed. And you never know which ones are. Uh, so in the, hopefully in the mind of a terrorist, we're all armed. So, and you've seen that since 9-11, there have been no attempts, uh, something like that, not just the shoe bomber and the underwear bomber or whatever. Uh, 
the whole system is much, much safer because now we're aware of what they can do to us. And that probably will never happen again. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, Jeff, you are up. I was saying you're trying to think of uh, a question that would give some sort of uh, insider perspective. So I think my question is, you were you were flying you were flying when this is happening. You're on the obviously you're on the other coast uh, from where the things were happening. But did at some point as news started to filter into you, were were you? I guess the were you scared after the fact is kind of because that's what I would be thinking. I was up there. This could have happened on the west coast, um, and you kind of have a panic attack after the after the fact. Uh, no, no. Remember, <laughs> I was a combat hardened veteran fighter pilot, dashing, brave. Uh, there was never facetious. <laughs> I love dashing. I love okay, dashing, dashing of course. <laughs> My wife is rolling her eyes <laughs> at this. No, it, it was never a life-threatening event. We we had it pretty much under control. Now, at the time, we did not know it was only on the East Coast. Remember, there was a three-hour difference. So what had transpired has already happened. And the dust, God, I hate to say it, the dust had settled. By the time we got the message, it just took a while for that message, for the, the severity of the incident to hit the dispatch, hit the FAA, go through all of the fermentation of, my God, what do we do? And it turned out, as my, my understanding, it was some low-ranking FAA controller that made the final decision, shut it down. And the only people that were airborne were the military fighters. Uh, so it took a while for everything to, to get sorted out. So by that time, I'm on the ground and safe. And then we, we found out the, the severity of it. But by that time, it was all over because all the aircraft were on the ground. There were no more flying time bombs. So yeah, it, it was my part of it was fairly easy. Uh, now, the United, what was it, 93? was airborne and that's when the Americans retook the airplane. Unfortunately, it crashed. I think it was United 93 or whatever. That uh, that would not have wanted to have been on one of those aircraft. I can imagine what the people that were there knowing what was going to happen. I had, they had to panic. Uh, my, my part was fairly easy, really, not to mitigate it or downplay it, but uh, it but, most of the dust had settled by the time we got the word, and we just had to go on and follow the instructions, uh, get our butts on the ground, and get rid of the passengers. And so anyway, does that does that answer your question? It 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 does. I mean, my, they're they're open ended. It's it's your answer is more important than my question. But it was, <laughs> uh, I. I'm struck with the 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 old fighter pilot because you weren't <laughs> flying, you weren't flying a fighter jet. Um, it wasn't just you and a navigator or whatever. You had you had a you had a full plane full of passengers, no weaponry. Um, coffee, 
you had you did have coffee, so you were good to go. I, I feel better knowing that at least. So yeah, uh, early coffee can be a, a weapon. Right there, you go. And, <laughs> a heartburn. And well done. Uh, thinking about thinking about the, the passengers, um, and because you do, it's probably would have been very easy to just focus on getting the getting the plane out of the air and safely onto the ground, but um, getting the information to them and making sure they were taken care of once you were landed. Uh, I guess that's a job well done that you won't get a medal for from United, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you'll get an honorary one from us. There you go. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, if it, at least at United, we were fairly well trained in customer relationship. It, it's, it was a great job. It was a pinnacle of aviation, unless you want to go walk on the moon that I never aspired to. So it, it was a great job. It paid well, and we were very well trained. And they, in my captain training, they said, you know, the passengers are your, your pay ticket. Uh, treat them well, keep them informed. Uh, fly smooth if you can, although if the air is rough, you don't have much control. Uh, but customer relations were very well hammered into all of us. And so it, it came, came natural. And I'm from the South, so I'm fairly friendly anyway. So again, my wife is rolling her eyes. Yeah, she's looking. <laughs> Well, Colonel Lee, we, we really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to, to talk to us today. And we really, uh, we really respect you for, for everything you went through and for hearing your opinion, you know, on, on the events that transpired and your observations. It was very helpful. So we really appreciate you joining us today. You are, you are very welcome. It was an honor to be considered. I know that uh, hopefully the story will transpire into something you can use without too many Oz oh, and Bells and we're we're good to, we're good to go on that. All right, Colonel Lee, thank you, everyone else. Remember to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, review and rate us. Remember five stars. Uh, if you want to send us some feedback, you can comment on either YouTube or Facebook and send us an email at tangoalphalima at legion.org. Colonel, thank you, Jeff, Ashley. I will see you guys tomorrow. Everyone else, we'll have a new episode tomorrow. Thank you. Bye.